Father, you are worthy of all of our praise, and we just want to thank you so much for being how, how majestic that you are, Lord. How you meet us each and every day, Lord God, just wanting to have us come before you, Lord, with all of our needs, all the things that are on our mind. You are the God that gives, Lord. You're the one that gives us love. You're the one that gives us patience. You're our rock and our foundation, Lord. And all you want us to do is just come before you each and every day on our knees, just acknowledging who you are and who we are as your children. We love you, Lord. We praise your holy name for you are just awesome.
today. I'm really excited to be here with you. Would you take the friendship folders that's in the front of your chairs there? It's the black folder. Would you sign it so that we can just know that you're here today and also just pass it down the aisle so that we can get your name there today. This Saturday coming up, we are having a women's breakfast. This is for anybody that's a woman. And it's going to be at Bob Evans, Evans Restaurant. Okay, that was funny. Bob Evans Restaurant on Route 19. They're going to meet at 9 o'clock. And if you like to eat, and again, if you're a woman, come on out. We have some really awesome just fellowship time and hanging hanging together and getting to know maybe some people that you haven't met before or just hanging out with some old friends. This Wednesday night, um, we have our Connect Students Ministry over at Straight Street. That is going to include 6th through 12th grade. We're going to start meeting together, and that's going to be at 6 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Also, after this service today, if you have a teenager or a child that is going into 6th grade, we are inviting you to go over to Connect Building and just to meet Caleb York and his family and just um, to find out what's going to be happening with your 6th grader starting to come over to that new building and new place and meet new faces this year. Also, um, on Thursday nights, we have our 724, which is our young adult ministries. If you're in your 20s and 30s, and you're just looking for a place to just hang out, meet some friends, but also to really get into knowing God and building your faith, Thursday nights at 724 is the place for you to be. This um, Friday night is our first movie night of the summer. We had a great, great turnout last year. We bring our whole community in. And if you look in your courier today, we have a little flyer in there for you. We want you to take this and we want you to hand this out so that people will know about our movie nights this summer. It's going to be the last Friday of June, July, and August. If you're three years old, if you are 93 years old, you will have a great time. We bring our chairs, put them on the lawn. We also have... Mitty's Restaurant, they're going to be bringing up food for us this year as a concession stand, and um, it's just going to be a great time. If in case it rains, which we're hoping it doesn't, it will be in here in the auditorium on a screen that we're going to set up for all of you. But either way, it's going to be a great time, and it is just a way for you to enjoy getting to hang out with your friends here and also bringing our community in to get to know Jesus a little bit. Okay, today in the foyer, we have Vacation Bible School sign up. If you are living and breathing, we need you. We need help just loving the children in our community, anywhere from doing crafts to uh, making snacks to being in the rooms with small groups and um, doing skits and dancing. We need you because that's what makes it a success. We want children to get to know Jesus. And so if you are available the week of July 27th through the 31st, we'd like you to go to the table in the foyer and just sign up. If you can't be there every day, even if you can only be there one or two days a week, we really need you to love on these children because they are the future of our country. Also, um, if you have children that are entering kindergarten, uh, I believe through fifth grade, then you can sign them up as well. And Courtney Hodson, our children's ministry director, will be back at that table. I hope you all have a great day. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rhonda. Well, it's so good to, uh, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord today. If you're happy to be here, say amen. You know, the energy in our church in the summer is just amazing. You know that there, a number of our people are away this morning and they're traveling and they're, they're all over the place. But the Lord always sends uh, you, our faithful congregation, to be here to encourage each other, to encourage me, Pastor Ken, uh, and each other. And what a wonderful atmosphere in the church today. You know, in our first service, uh, the singing is a little, uh, it's a little sedate. Uh, it's not that, but, but by the time the second service comes around, the singing is off the charts. And, and I can't figure that out. 
maybe people aren't that awake in the first service. I don't know. But I always enjoy your singing here in the second service. Uh, today is uh, Father's Day, and I'd like to ask all the fathers to stand. Wherever you're seated, fathers, please stand up. Let us recognize you today. Come on, Dad. Yes. Very good. Well, we salute you. We salute you today on Father's Day. I know your family has something good prepared for you today, and especially if they didn't, they will now since I made that announcement for you. I'm helping you out all I can, okay? Uh, we are trying to lift our church this summer on a wave of prayer. Uh, we believe in prayer. You know, a lot of times people look at our church and say, boy, that church is really active. They're engaged with young people. They have lots of things for teenagers. They, have, they have just have a, a good program. Well, you know, we want to be noted for something more than that. We want to be noted uh, as a church of prayer, that these programs that we have for our community are, are more than a program. It's a spiritual emphasis. We're trying to bring people to Christ up here on the hill. We want them to come to a movie night and, uh, and then be attracted to our church uh, so that they can hear the life-changing message of Jesus. And so that's why this week and next week will be the last two weeks I'm going to talk to you about signing up, if you haven't already signed up, to be one of our summer prayers. You're going to pray for the church this summer. These are the things we're praying about. It's in your Sunday courier this morning. And uh, they're all important. On the back are the ministry opportunities. Uh, we're praying that God will open some people's hearts to, uh, to write some checks to help us to pave our parking lot. And that's got to be a matter of prayer. You have to pray for it. I have to pray for it. We have to ask God to open uh, the windows of heaven in order to bring this to pass. And I think if all of us are on the same page, praying about these things, that God is going to open the windows of heaven and answer our prayers. He really will. If you're here this morning and you haven't yet signed up to be one of our summer prayers, please sign this little piece of paper to this morning. Put it in the offering plate or one of our offering boxes in the back as you, as you leave. And uh, I'm going to take this little piece of paper. I'm going to put your name on my prayer list. And I'm going to pray for you this summer, the rest of June, July, and August, that God will guard your quiet time. And by that I mean that he'll keep you focused, spiritually speaking, this summer. And I know that's what you want and that's what I want. So if you haven't signed this, please do this this morning, okay? Let's stand together as our ushers come this morning and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love and how you take care of us. Uh, how you give us strength to go to work and uh, a job to go to. We pray now that as we receive the tithes and offerings of your people this morning, that, you, that they will be a good reflection of uh, how much we love you, Lord. We thank you so much today, Lord, for the faithfulness of our people in giving uh, week in and week out, month in and month out, and year in and year out. Lord, we don't take this for granted, we, but we give you all the thanksgiving for these things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
this morning. Let's give our God a hand this morning. Just thankful for your worship time. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate our band and worship team up here leading us to 
to the throne room of God. It's, it's just so exciting standing down front. You hear the congregation worship the Lord. What a, what a place to be. Glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, let's head on over to Acts chapter 11. We have been spending uh, several weeks now since Easter on our AD series. And uh, if you've been watching the series, I understand last Sunday night it was knocked out because of the weather. Some of you t- tuned in to NBC and the, and the weather took over, took over that time spot. They kept showing all the radar maps. If you missed it, go, I encourage you to go on demand and look that up. And you can watch all the missed episodes on demand. And it, you can also go to the NBC website. They have it all there as well. Um, but as, as we begin today, we're Acts chapter 11. All I can think of is this thought that God's plans are greater. He has a greater plan than what we could imagine, what we could think, what we could even ask for. Ephesians 3.20 says this, says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And that is, that is so true of your life today. God has a plan that is bigger for your life than what you could imagine. He has more in store for us than what we could even ask or think. And when I come and I start to think of that verse there, that, wait a minute, God has something in store for me, for a plan for me to accomplish for, according to His will, more than what I could even think, more than what I could even ask of Him, that's pretty exciting. And that's what happened in the book of Acts. I want you to think about over in Acts chapter 1 when we started, we saw Jesus ascending into heaven and he gives the charge to the church. He says, the Holy Spirit will come and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and all Samaria and to the end of the earth. And he gave them this big charge, but they couldn't totally understand what was about to happen. There was about 120 of them that heard that message. And then they go out and then all of a sudden when the Holy Spirit comes, God gives them power, and they begin to be their witness for God in Jerusalem. And 3,000 come to God on the very first opening of the church. Then we see 5,000 come. Then you just see all these people, and you just keep seeing this phrase over and over, that more and more people coming to God, and, and towns coming to God. Like, everywhere people are responding to the message of Jesus Christ. Peter and his crew are all excited. They're, they're working, working hard for the Lord, and, and yet... God has even greater plans, and they, they can't comprehend what God has, is about to do. Luke's given an account here of, uh, of, of a few conversions. You see a lot of conversions in, in the book of Acts, and two important ones were Saul. We saw how, how that Saul once persecuted the church, now Saul is following Christ, and he is helping the church. He is helping to build the church. And then last week, we looked at Cornelius, and we saw what God did with Cornelius and brought Cornelius, the first Gentile under Christ. And that brings us to our first, first thought in your notes today is this, that when God is working, the news spreads quickly. When God is working, the news spreads quickly. And we'll look here at Acts chapter 11, verse 1, says this, Now the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Now I want you to think about this. God begins to work and the news travels fast. I have a little map here we're going to put up here. And the map just shows you where, where all this was taking place. There was Jerusalem. That was the epicenter of all the activity. The church of Jerusalem. They were the early believers. And, and Jesus uh, had resurrected from, from the grave. Those people in Jerusalem, they got the message first. And from there, the message spread. And we followed Peter's life. We saw how Peter stopped in Lydda and then also in Joppa. 
And uh, he spends, he's, at this point, he's spending several days with a man who was named Simon. He was a tanner. And uh, he, he, was un, uh, he, he worked with unclean things. He, was, he worked with dead animals. And according to Jewish law, that was somebody you wouldn't be hanging out with because they were unclean. But he spent this time there at Joppa trying to bring people to Christ. And the, the, the ministry is predominantly to Jews because it started out with Jews. And so it started Jerusalem. It's the Jewish communities. And then when, uh, when, the, when Cornelius comes into the picture, he's in Caesarea. So Cornelius gives the call, sends the men down to Joppa, and calls him up to Caesarea. And that's where the first convert comes, the first Gentile convert. He, he come, becomes a follower of Christ. But if you look there, from Jerusalem on to Joppa is about 35 miles. And then from Joppa on up to Caesarea is another 30 miles. So you're talking 65 miles. And the word spreads quickly because in those days there's no Facebook. You know, you get to see everything you don't want to see, right? There's, uh, there's no Twitter. There's no, no phones. There's no cars. And the, re- the word is spreading quickly by word of mouth. This was several days walking, and yet the word is spreading quickly about what God has done. This is big news to the early church. I want you to think today, what would big news be to Pittsburgh? If I came into the church this morning and I said, I've got big news in Pittsburgh, and I said, I'm going to help you, I'm going to give you some inside information about the Pittsburgh Steelers. You'd all sit up on your chair, right? Who'd he talk to this week? Uh, And I would tell you that Ben Roethlisberger, we're going to trade Ben Roethlisberger, and we're bringing another quarterback, a big-name quarterback from one of the other teams. You'd be like, okay. And then I I said, well, take it a step further. He said the only way he'll come is if he brings his coach with him. That means Tomlin has to go. Man, the word would spread all over Pittsburgh, wouldn't it? We had the inside scoop on the Steelers. And then it would go, not only Pittsburgh, it would go through the Steeler Nation. It would go all over the world. That's what was happening. It was that big a news to the Jews. You've got to understand, for the, the Jews, they, they had eating laws. They had, they had a way of life. God had said, you are my people. This is how I want you to live. And he gave them codes of eating, these dietary laws. He said there was clean and unclean. They had all these issues, holy days, festivals. And yet, over here is the, the Gentiles. And there were a few Gentiles that lived among them in Jerusalem and, and throughout Judea. But for the most part, this is a Jewish community. And they would look down upon the Gentiles. And they would, they would outcast them. God never intended for the, Jew, uh, for the Gentiles to be outcasted. He said, you're my people. I've chosen you to, to, to be separated unto me. And what they did was they, they began, we're better than them. And they began to have this tension. And there was this pressure. It was like, here are these people that just don't matter. And so the Jews, that's how they would treat them. So when the word got out, remember the early Christians that were coming to Christ, these new people that were coming to Christ, they were Jews. That's all they knew. They only knew the things of the holy days and the festivals and the dietary laws. Look what Peter, look what happens with Peter here, verse 2. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and you ate with them, they said. Now, here's, here's Peter. He's gone off. The, 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 the interaction has happened. He's gone up, and he's had this connection with Cornelius. And Cornelius comes to Christ, and he's helping him. This excitement's building, and he's coming back. Imagine what's going on in his head as he's walking back. Peter's thinking, oh, boy, they're not going to like this. 
I've been hanging out. I've been spending time with the Gentiles. They, they don't know. They, they don't understand that God has spoken to me. And God gave me a new, new mission here. Criticism comes easily, though, doesn't it? Look, it says that the Jewish believers, they criticized him. You know, it's easy to criticize, isn't it? We tend to, we tend to criticize others so, so quickly. Uh, it's easy for us. We criticize people. We criticize companies, behaviors. We criticize organizations. We criticize the meal when you go out for a restaurant. You ever do that, you know? You're sitting at the meal, and, you know, how was it? Oh, it was fair. And then we start to criticize the waiter or the waitress. Then we criticize the chef. And, you know, before you're on, on then by the time you're done, you're on the way home, you're like, why did we ever eat there? And, and we just get all this thing. We, we tend to be quick, quick to criticize. And here, those of the Jewish faith, they criticized Peter and said, what? What? We're, we're, we're advancing the kingdom of God. They still have a little bit of sense of God's kingdom is coming through the nation of Israel, through the Jewish people. And they're saying to Peter, what? You actually, you went in their home and you even ate with these people? You mean to tell me you ate non-kosher food, Peter? What are you doing? And so, so they, they have these dietary laws. And you know, for us, we don't understand the dietary laws because we don't follow the kosher list today. The clean and the unclean list as they followed from the Old Testament. But uh, I, the closest I can come to think of would be, you know, if you go out in Pittsburgh and you order a salad at any typical restaurant, and you order salad in Pittsburgh area, what do you get on your salad? French fries, okay? You've got to love those French fries. That's what makes a salad in Pittsburgh. Uh, this week I went out and I was in Ohio. I was around Columbus area. And uh, I went to a restaurant with a couple friends and we sat down and I ordered a salad. And I asked the waitress, I said, now does that come with fries on it? And she just looked at me and smiled. She said, you're from Pittsburgh, aren't you? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She goes, well, I grew up in Manaka and I know all about fries on, on salads. But you will not find that in this restaurant. You will not find that anywhere in this state. They just don't do that. You've got to go to Pittsburgh to get fries on your salad. And it's just, we live a little differently up here. You know, we have our own little dialect. We, we're just a little different in Pittsburgh. It's, you know, it's the greatest place on earth. But we're a little bit different. And that's the way, the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. God gave them a holy days, dietary laws, all these things. And they were following, they were set apart unto God. And God never intended for them to look down on anybody else. But human nature crept in. And that's what happened. And there was this tension that the Jews felt a little bit better than everybody else in that, in that day. And that's what, it's, that's what it's like when we start to begin to understand the difference between law and grace. There's a balance between the Jew and the Gentile, the Israel and the church. See, they didn't have all the books of the, Old, of the New Testament yet. They didn't have the finished New Testament like we have Romans and Hebrews and all these things to help us understand that. They were living it, and God was doing a new work in their life. The church really gave Peter a hard time. And as a matter of fact, when I think about this whole issue, I'm reminded that God's original plan for Israel was that Israel would be separated unto God and that they would glorify God and that they would in turn bring all the nations to God. That was the original plan. And you look through the Old Testament, you see this promise over and over and over that that was what they were called to do. And here, God begins to do that. And all of a sudden, we see God's plan is taking a next step forward. 
It's the next step forward because not only were the Jews. See, Paul said that the gospel was to the Jew first and also the Gentile. In other words, it came, Jesus was a Jew. He was the king of the Jews, the Messiah Jew, Jewish Messiah. And so he came to his own first and then to the Gentiles. So we all have an opportunity. And that the, the story of Cornelius from last week that we looked at, that is so important to us because... That was whenever the wall came down. There was a wall between the Jews and the rest of mankind. Between everybody that was not a Jew. And God tore down the wall that day. Look how Peter responds to the criticism. Acts chapter 11 verse 3. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision. An object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. I'm going to stop here, and I'd like for you to just watch a clip here from A.D. You'll see this tonight um, on, the, on the finale. You'll see, and this is just a little bit, shows a little bit of how the God spoke to Cornelius and to Peter based on what we're reading here as he retells it to the Jewish community in Jerusalem. In the name of Christ, I forgive you. Pick up verse 9. So he's retelling what happened here to the, to the early, early Christians here at, uh, at Jerusalem. Verse 9. But the voice answered me again from heaven. What God has cleansed you must not call common or unclean. Now this was done three times and all were drawn up again into heaven. So notice he, he gives them the message three times. And isn't it interesting Peter denied Christ three times. 
Um, and so he, he, God gives him that message loud and clear. This is important. This is not something I want you to forget. I want you to remember, Peter, I have a new mission for you now. There's more to come. Uh, my plans are bigger. Verse 11, at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send me to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And then verse 15, he says to the church, he says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. He gives them the witness of the Spirit. He says, listen, God started to do something. And just like he worked in us, I saw him working in Cornelius and in his household. And this was a new move of God. Number two in your notes, who am I to stand in God's way? Who am I to stand in God's way? Acts eleven sixteen. then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So now he gives him the witness of the Word of God. Not just the Spirit of God, now the Word of God. And that is so important for us to be into God's Word, to be memorizing it, to have it part of who we are. Because God will use that. We can use it to help people, and it, we use it to help ourselves as we grow in Christ. Verse 17, If therefore God gave them the same gift as He gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in the way of God? When they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. So the, the church here, as much as they were, they were critical, they were criticizing him, they were not willing to accept this new work. And once they heard that, hey, God is in it, and it's okay with Scripture, they went with it. And they said, okay, Peter, we're going to trust you, and we're going to trust God. And you know, sometimes God doesn't always give us the, the total part of the plan. You don't, have, you don't know the whole plan. Um, you know, as you, as you drive, you go out there at night. I was up here in the evening last night, and I, I pulled out of here, and I, I put on my headlights. I could only see about 60 feet in front of the car. It didn't stop me from getting home. And when I go on vacation, I don't just travel at daylight. Travel at nighttime many times. You pop the lights on. You follow the GPS. I can only see 60 feet in front of me. And as we follow our GPS, the Lord of the universe, He gives us direction. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will direct your path. So I want to encourage you as a church, encourage you as an individual, seek the Lord. Come and acknowledge Him. Allow Him to turn the lights on to your path. Because God has a plan that's greater, and you don't know the end of the story. You only know half of the story. And that's what was happening here with this church. They didn't know even half the story. They knew that they were called to be the witnesses of God. But God said, okay, Peter, I have a new plan. You're going to talk to people you don't normally talk to. You're going to talk to people that you once thought were unclean. You're going to talk to people that, that, you, nev that you never would even consider would have a part in my plan. I like what, uh, what Henry Blackaby says. He says, find out where God is at work and join him there. That has been an encouraging thought for me through the years. Find out where God is at work and, and 
join him there so in other words you're looking in your life and you're saying wow sometimes you get frustrated because something isn't happening over here in the meantime God is working over here and you just overlooked it because you wanted something and God says I am the one who's doing the work in your life come work with me I love that thought Romans 14 Paul said this he said accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong for instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? They are responsible to the Lord, so let him judge whether they are right or wrong. And with the Lord's help, they will do what is right and will receive his approval. In other words, the Apostle Paul's telling us here, there are so many things that we get hung up on that really don't matter. We need to be unified, moving forward in the faith, and keeping our eyes on Christ. Number three in your notes, God was growing the church to reach new people. God was growing the church to reach new people. Uh, verse, uh, verse 19, Now those who were scattered, scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were mere, uh, but some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists. That's the, the Greeks here. Now we're talking, he's referring to the Greeks, the local Greek culture. The, these are Gentiles, preaching, talking to these Gentiles, preaching to the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. And so we see again here, God had a new plan. Uh, back whenever Stephen was stoned, it looked pretty grim. When Saul was persecuting the church, it looked pretty grim. But what was he doing? God was actually allowing these things to scatter the church. And so the church, it would have been easy for the church to just build up and hung out in Jerusalem. And just stay there and enjoy this fellowship. And oh man, we're having such a good time. But Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses to the end of the earth. And so God used a persecution in his life, that, uh, in the life of the church, to scatter the church. And they went up. And here it says that they made it to Antioch. That is Antioch of Syria. That's 300 miles away from Jerusalem. So God was spreading the church out. And as the church spread out, they didn't understand the persecution. They didn't understand all these things. But God had a bigger plan. And God was spreading the church out. Antioch was a city that uh, scholars say today is like New York City. Uh, there were about 500,000 people in those days that lived in, in Antioch. 25,000 were Jewish. And, uh, you know, they, they settled together. It'd be like you go to New York City and you find Chinatown or Little Italy those places where, the, where immigration, when they came in, they settled in those areas. So it was natural for these, Jewish, these new Jewish Christians to just work within their community. But God had a plan now that these people would work beyond their community. So there's another 475,000 people that they're called to reach. It was a busy spot. It was a place of luxury. It was a place of, of culture. Uh, Roman officials would go and spend their vacation there. It was a fun place to be, but yet it was also a challenging place. There was a lot of, a lot of negative things that were happening in a city such as that. It was the New York City of the day, and God allowed these people now to start spread His Word 
And it says that many came to Christ. Well, these persecuted believers needed encouraged. Look at what verse 22 says. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. So here, here was the church. They, they were trying to say, okay, over at Joppa, do they understand the gospel? Over at Caesarea, do they understand the gospel? All right, now, how about way out now, out in Antioch? Do they really understand what we're talking about? We need to go encourage them. So they sent Barnabas. When he came and he had, sent, and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them with the purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Barnabas. I, I would love to have that be my description of my life at the end of my life. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and of faith. Fathers, I want to challenge you today. Here's Father's Day. I want to challenge you. Are you a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of faith. Are you walking in the light of God's grace every day? Are you leading your family in that manner as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith? Look what he did. He encouraged the church. Uh, this was a new dimension that was happened. Gentiles were now worshiping with Jews. This never happened before. You never, they, they had, there was all, you talk about culture things happening, all kind of culture clashes that happen. These people over here that have been eating the quote-unquote unclean food list, and these people over here that have been eating the clean food list, are going to come together, and they're going to fellowship, and they're going to have church. So what do we have for the picnic after church? Do we have the clean list or the unclean list? And this group over here says, well, we're not going to eat that food, and this group over here says, well, we're... We're, we're not going to eat that. We're going to have this. And, and so all this thing starts to happen. And there were new challenges. And Barnabas shows up in the middle of this challenge and says, I see the hand of the Lord. I see the grace of God. Look at how many people are coming to Christ. And he encourages them. Earlier we saw the Jews, the Jewish people that had come to Christ in Jerusalem. They were criticizing and rightfully so, because they didn't understand. And now they've come through and they are encouraging the church. And they even send Barnabas up to be their chief encourager. Um, verse 25, then, to, then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was for a whole year that they assembled uh, with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And so God starts a new movement. He, now he needs help. He brings Saul in. Saul, and we see him in chapter 13, start to be referred to as Paul. And now God is doing a new work. And God's plan was greater than they could imagine. It was bigger. And they had a trust in the sovereign Lord. But as you think about this today, I want you to think about what made that happen. Why, why could they go out and do that? Were they, did God just choose a... A bunch of guys that had great leadership skills? No. He chose guys that were willing to walk in his presence. It was the Lord's presence that made the difference. And uh, as you think about that, that's the last point in your notes there. The Lord's presence makes all the difference. Um, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. 
and I am with you always until the end of the age. There was the power. He says, I am with you always. You know, there are many things in our lives that, that God may have for us and we may be a little bit nervous of. We may be a little bit frightened of. But I can go do those things because the Lord says, I am with you till the very end. And so can you. You know, sometimes I, uh, you, you, hear, you, you see the people up front and you think, wow, they, they have it easy. And they can just walk up and do that, right? And you know what? I'm finding that, you know what? Many of those people that are up here with us, we have fear too. But we can do this because who is with us? The Lord is with us. I read a book about one pastor that every time before he got up to speak, he got nauseated. He didn't let that stop him because the Lord was with him. And so I want to encourage you in our church this morning. The Lord's presence makes all the difference. It changes our life. And when we're walking and living in his presence, that's what Peter did. That's what Barnabas did. That's what Saul was doing as he came to Christ. They're walking in the presence of God. And they're not walking in their own strength. They're knowing that the Lord is with me. God's called me. You know, when Peter saw those three men come outside after God told him they would be there, he knew the Lord was with him. And he went up there. And he's he meeting with Cornelius. And he's, doing, he's making all kind of new grounds. The Lord was with him. And in your notes, I've just put a few things. You know, God says that we can call him our father. And when you think about that, the Lord's presence is with you. He says we can call him our father. When we pray, pray like this. Our father who art in heaven. We, that is a term of the relationship that we have of child to God as our Father. And look at just a few thoughts here on Father's Day as we close here, how God loves us like His children, because we are His children. He loves His children, number one. He loves His children. 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. He's lavished His love on us. He loves you with an everlasting love with no strings attached because he is the ultimate father. Uh, Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us, Romans 5.8. He provides for his children. He provides for his children. Matthew 6, 31 through 32 and 33 says this, So do not worry what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what we shall wear. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He provides for us. He says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He is our caretaker. He is our provider. And as dads today... We get to be the reflection. We get to reflect some of God's character into our family. We get to provide for our family, but not just financially, not just by going to work, but by emotionally caring for them, physically, spiritually, being the spiritual head of our home, leading our families in the ways of righteousness. What a powerful job we have as fathers today, that we get to reflect our Heavenly Father to my children my wife. Uh, he protects his children. Psalm 61, 3 and 4. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. He protects his children. That's another job we get to do as dad. We get to reflect his character. 
by caring for our family and protecting them emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Guiding, protecting. Uh, he leads his children. Romans 8, 14. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Now, as you look through the book of Acts, you see that God was leading them, telling them to go here, telling them to go there. God still does that in our life. He opens and closes doors. He gives you opportunities, and he works in your life. He leads by the Spirit of God. And that's what we get to do with our children. I get to lead my family. My kids, you know, I have one in college, one in high school. I still get to lead them. And I'm sure as life changes, as they grow and they raise their family, my leadership will change in their life. But somewhere along the line, hopefully they'll want to come back and hear from Dad. And I'll be able to lead them in the ways of everlasting. His joy, he enjoys his children. God enjoys his children. Psalm 149.4 For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Boy, there's, we could spend a whole day talking about enjoying our children, enjoying our family. God, think about this. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but God enjoys you. When I think about that, that God enjoys me, I was created for the purpose of fellowship with God. He enjoys me. I'm just little Ken Barner on Norman Avenue. I can't even figure out a few things how to fix my house. And God enjoys my presence. How much more should I enjoy His presence? And I get to have that every day. So tomorrow when you go on to, on to work, wherever God's called you to go, to your office, Whatever it is that you do, God has you there. And he says, I am with you. And I have a plan. And my plans are greater than you can imagine. As we close today, I'd like for you to think about this thought. What area of your life is God asking you to come out of the box? Um, maybe there's somebody in your life that you say, well, they would never come to God. And God wants you to be the person to go spend time with them. Uh, somebody, maybe it's... a. Uh, uh, something uncomfortable, whatever it is, are you willing to go there, not in a spirit of criticism, but in a spirit of encouragement, and bring people to his knowledge. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and I thank you for all that you are. Lord, I pray you'll be with our church family, Lord. We love to be together. We thank you that you've given us this church, Lord. We can come and focus on Jesus Christ, resurrected Lord. You conquered all things so that we can have power in our life to live for you, Lord. To accomplish those plans that are greater. Father, I pray for those in here today that may be struggling with some areas of their life. They maybe have not seen your plan. Not, maybe a little concerned because they don't see the next step, Lord. I pray you'll comfort them this morning. May they see your leadership. May they see you, our Father, working in their life. We love you and we honor you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close our service. If you'd like to come and kneel and pray as we sing, feel free to do so as we worship our Lord.